you hear that? Everybody, Sally Diane here with Haunting Live Podcast, and they're going to down into the basement of the Queens. We've been granted access to the basement. This location did have a great fire. How are you feeling right now, Trim? Don't be afraid. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Haunting Live Podcast this week. Uh, we have reached episode number 21 of season two already. And thank you so much for tuning in each and every week right here on our Facebook for Haunting Live Podcast. Uh, this week, we do have something new here. As you notice, maybe behind me, if you're watching on social media, we have changed our layout a little bit and we have a new background for you guys. And if you like it, leave a comment below and uh, we'll keep this new look in the future and hopefully going forward um, i'm liking it quite a bit already so hope you guys do too but as always thank you so much for tuning in uh, we are live on facebook here and also going to be posting to the youtube channel later on and also you can catch us later on on the podcast apps if you missed a live show on our social media but today we do have a special guest joining us all the way from scotland today and very happy to have her here she's going to be talking about shamanism today and what she does in that field. And so with that, let's bring on our special guest today. Hi, Kim, how are you? Hi, Trevor, I'm good, how are you? Doing wonderful, thank you so much for being here. I know it's a long ways for you, but um, thank you for taking the time out and uh, talking a little bit about uh, shamanism today and what that's all about for you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm, I'm afraid that I may have disappointed your listeners and viewers because I don't have a Scottish accent. Oh, no, that's no worries at all. I appreciate your input into the subject that we're talking about and um, any insight that you can share. I'm sure will be appreciated on that topic. So with that, um, describe with us to our listeners a little bit about what shamanism is all about. So those that might not know what it is. Yeah. So what is shamanism? That is always the, the big question and probably the hardest question to answer. So we've started as the hardest one. And, it, you know, shamanism is a spiritual practice that has been around for at least 10,000 years that we know about. Uh, pretty much every culture has a history of shamanism. It's just a matter of how broken that history is. So, for example, in our culture, um, our history of shamanism is it is quite broken. We've really gone uh, away from that. But with other cultures, they're much more connected to those shamanistic roots. And I'm not a historian, obviously, or, so it, it's a little bit difficult for me to speak as well about shamanism as some of my, as my peers can. But for me, what shamanism is, is a way of working directly with the spirit. So, you know, we can come about direct revelation from the spirits in order to bring about healing, either our own healing or the healing of our families and communities um, and even the earth. So we work directly with our spirit guides, our ancestor spirits um, and, and different types of spirits in order to bring this healing to wherever it's needed. And. Um, I, I think that that direct relationship with the spirits is what makes shamanism unique, um, as opposed to some other modalities of healing that, you know, especially in Ontario, that we would be familiar with. So, for example, Reiki and whatnot. Yeah, so basically, in a nutshell, then shamanism is a practice of healing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I was taught that everybody in the world is born with a healing gift. And the reason why we have this healing gift is to bring healing to our community. And remember that sometimes healing ourselves helps to, you know, there's always a ripple effect when we partake in our own healing that then impacts our families and impacts our community. So 
So the reason we have these gifts is for healing and shamanism is a way to facilitate that healing that the spirits bring to us or that the spirits give to us when they, they uh, give us special gifts. So for example, you know, maybe the ability to see ghosts, uh, earthbound spirits, right? Or to maybe do healing with hands or with artwork or music, or just by being someone who's really good at holding space for people who need to express and share what's going on with them. These are all healing gifts. Um, so, you know, and for shamanism, because it is about that direct relationship, uh, our, I guess the, the, the practice is to facilitate that. But yeah, everything is for healing. It's, 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 I was talking, the only reason that we, we have these abilities is for that. So where did shamanism originate from then? What culture is it based out of? Um, so pretty much every culture could lay a claim on shamanism. Now the word of course is a Tungan word, right? So it comes from in and around Siberia. Um, but you know, if we look at the origins of shamanism again, it's what culture do you want to talk about? So a, a really good example of that is our North American indigenous nation, right? They practice um, their traditional healing ways. And as a non-native, I would look at that and say, okay, that's shamanistic, it's animistic. Um, you know, but then I think about my own culture and my mom was Scottish and my father is of Scottish descent. And we had shamanism as well in our ancient days. We don't know much about uh, Celtic ancient religion, but we know a little. We know a little that has been verified. And what we do know is that there seems to have been a shamanic tradition, and we know that from the lore, from the stories. And so we don't know, we, we do know what the ancient Celts believed. We don't know how they practice. Anybody who says they do is talking through the hole in their head. We don't know that. But we do know that there was evidence of shamanic practices, whatever they were. Right. We know that there was that idea of going into the spirit world. You see, one of the things that uh, characterizes shamanism is that the shamanic practitioner can journey in and out of the spirit world. And in this way, uh, they can bring back healing gifts for the person that they're, they're working with. Uh, they can bring back messages from the healing, from the healing world, from the, the spirit world and the spirit to that person. And these messages may bring healing with them. These gifts will bring healing with them, whatever kind of healing that person needs. So, so we do know that almost every single culture, including European cultures, and I'm harping on that intentionally, because I, I think that we all know that, yes, there's you know shamanistic traditions in North America and South America and Australia. Um, but in Europe, we have them too. You know, there, like if you do look at shamanism originated in um, well, Siberia and around the Atlas Mountains and, and basically Russia um, in the former Russian nation. Um, and, you know, but every nation has its ancient religious and cultural practices, whether it's Scotland, Ireland, Poland, right, uh, Germany. Yeah, and we're seeing a real resurgence in, in of interest in uh, that, I guess, our ancient ways and that desire to connect with our ancient ways. And as a shamanic practitioner, I would venture to say that I think that uh, those spiritual relationships that have always been held by people of every culture, you know, no one, no one culture has a monopoly in spirituality. It's one of the first things I was ever taught. Um, you know, in the indigenous community in, in, in Ontario. Every person has or can have those spiritual relationships with their guides, with their ancestors. You know, that's, that's not unique. That's, that's used to be the norm. And I think that nowadays, uh, as, a, as a society, if we look at mainstream North American society or even mainstream European society, um, there is a... a, a hunger to reconnect uh, with our spiritual sides, which means reconnecting with our spirits. 
and the spirits in turn, I think, are kind of stepping forward. You know, they're 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 there. They they want to help. They're ready to help. They just need us to say, okay, we're ready. Let's go. So I, I can't remember what your original question was. <laughs> No, that's absolutely perfect. Um, a lot of information for people that might not understand exactly what shamanism is or where it originated from. Um, I think that shed a lot of light onto sort of the background of shamanism. Now, for you yourself personally, um, you mentioned to me earlier you're originally from here in Ontario, which is awesome, and you just recently moved back to your homeland of Scotland. So, congratulations on the big move, and. Um, Sort of, um, how did you learn about shamanism while you were here in Ontario? What sort of area did you learn it from? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, I was born in Tottenham, Ontario. So, you know, I'm a Tottenham girl. And uh, I, I lived in Toronto for almost 20 years. Um, so I came... I, so, I, so how did I come to it? I think that for me, I came to it through dreams. Um, I don't consider myself to be psychic or, you know, any of that. And, but I, I've always dreamt. The, the one gift I've never questioned is dreaming. And I've dreamt since I was a little girl. And, uh, and when I was 18, the way I dreamt started to shift. And I started to uh, get visitations um, by relatives and friends who had passed on through dreams. and whatever doubt I have had ever had, are my dreams real? Are they not? Are they premonitions? Are they, I mean, I was, I was a young woman in my teens at the time when my not ancestors, but relatives, people I knew came to visit me in my dreams. It was real. I mean, every part of me knew it was real. I call them waking dreams. You know, those dreams you have and they're so, I mean, it's like you're awake in the dream. And then when you wake up, you're still awake. It, it's a, it's, it's very strange, but this, I always think of them as waking dreams. They're big dreams, right? They're big dreams when the spirits come to us and they talk to us or when our relatives come to us. And so that was fine. You know, I went on my dreaming way. I was just, yay, I dreamed, didn't think much of it. And um, when I was 19, I moved to Spain. I lived in Madrid. I was an au pair. I fell in love and I got pregnant. <laughs> It's my son, who is like my, my souvenir from Spain. But my son's father is actually from New Mexico. And um, my son is part Indigenous. Um, so my son was raised, though, with me up in Canada. And um, I really didn't know really anything about that culture. Um, and the fact that I was raising a son who was uh, part Indigenous, I didn't... I, I used to say, well, when you're older, you can go down and you can figure that out. I didn't really feel that I had any responsibility to teach him about his culture. That was up to his dad and his dad's family, right? So, um, and then when I was, when he was about 12, I had a dream um, and the dream was all about him. And it was all about basically uh, bringing him to his community. My God, I was living in the beaches. What did I know about any of this? So, um, uh, you know, it, it's interesting when we start to go down our spiritual journey. And, and Trevor, I'm sure you've experienced this. The strangest people come out of the woodwork. People you would never expect, you know, come out of the woodwork to help and to guide us. And that's exactly what happened with me. And within uh, a few months, I was able to um, go into my son's community and meet with some elders and bring him in. And they said, well, you've been brought here because it's time for your son to go through the rites of passage. So that's what we're going to do. So I, I'm skipping over big parts of this because a lot of this is my son's story. And, you know, he's of an age, he'll tell it if he wants to. So I'm going to, I'm, I'm sensitive to that. Um, so, but, you know, the spirits or the, the elders said, right, we're going to work with your son to bring him through this period of his life. And I said, okay, that's, that's, I mean, that's wonderful. The single mom and all these, you know, healthy, uh, men coming to, to teach my son, you know, it was, it was a really wonderful gift. Um, and I really didn't, I still didn't understand it. 
but I knew it was good. You know, I had enough wherewithal to know this is a good, healthy thing for my son. And uh, for me, you know, I thought I would be driving him to and from ceremony. I I didn't know that I was invited to. And of course, the the community, the Indigenous community in in Toronto, um, it's, it's, you know, relatively inclusive. And so what, what happened was that the community reached out to me to teach me about spirituality because traditionally, I guess, well, not I guess, traditionally, the teachings flow from the parent to the child. And so the way it was described to me was that um, the elders at that time, in order for my son to never question the white side of himself, if he chose to live in the community and work in the community, he needed to see the white side of himself being fully accepted. And so I was. And, um, and that period of my life uh, taught me about spirituality. So I learned, I learned how to approach, I learned how to approach ceremony. I'll be really clear at this, but I did not learn how to do Indigenous ceremony. That's a completely different thing. And I don't do Indigenous ceremony. Um, and if anybody wants to learn more about Indigenous ceremony, they should go talk to an Indigenous traditional healer. Um, yeah, but but I did learn how to approach it. And the, the one of the hallmarks of, of spirituality in that culture that I got to experience was this idea of we all have an individual relationship with our spirit. This isn't anything that is, I mean, it's special, but it's not special in a way of being abnormal. It's a normal thing for us to work with our spirits, to be in touch with our spirits and listen to what our spirit guides are telling us. And what was a really incredible experience at that time was to not only, you know, I was being taught this, but then to have a community where I could go and talk about this without having to self-edit myself, right? I mean, at this time, I was working on Bay Street. (laughs) So I had these, like, different sides, right, where I was in between both worlds. And um, and it was incredible to to go in and and for a time I worked at Anishinaabe Health on uh, Anishinaabe Health Toronto and so I, you know I, every day I was I was in this and um, to be able to go in and, and say you know I, I had a dream last night and then one of the elders oh did you tell me about it and take it seriously like it was important or something like I wasn't making it up or um, I wasn't just I don't know crazy you know we love to throw that word around particularly spirituality and that for me was a revelation in itself being in a community that not only accepted that everybody is spiritual or can be spiritual but normalized it so so you know my son he grew up and um, it got to a point where trying to get him to go to the sweat lodge is like when I was of an age and my mom trying to get me to go to church you know, and so he's, he's, you know, went his own way. And I had more time. And I started to explore spirituality from my own cultural background. And at that time, I think this is where things really started to solidify. So I kind of had all these years of teachings behind me, which was like the foundation and, and continues to be the foundation of my life, my practice, everything. Um, but I, I, start, I found this woman, Tara Brandon Evans. She passed away a number of years ago now. And Tira, oh, she was fabulous. So she calls herself a Celtic shaman, which is a very controversial term in, uh, you know, the Celtic spiritual circles. But that's what she calls herself. So that's that. And um, she had this course where you would learn uh, about Celtic spirituality from reading the stories, the lore, the myths, right? And this was right up my alley because having spent so much time years in the indigenous community where teachings are shared by sharing stories, right? Everything's a story. So that idea, that connection between stories and shamanism was very strong. And so with Tira, she was teaching, you know, Celtic um, spirituality by sharing our ancient stories. And I, I just, I mean, I was all over that like white on rice. And she was a, she was good. You know, Tira was a, an older woman. She must have been in her 70s at that point, maybe late 60s. She was in her 70s. And, 
And she was tough. She reminded me of the traditional healers that I knew through traditional I held. And, you know, she was very tough and no nonsense. So I worked with her. And one of the parts of her course was that we would have to read the myth, right? So the story. And then we'd have to answer like good old homework style questions on the story. But then we had to do a shamanic journey to go meet with the characters, like with the, the, I guess, the people within the story. And that, I had very spontaneously journeyed, as one often does, when I was at ceremony. Um, but it was spontaneous, and it was within the context of a safe ceremony that the conductor would be holding. But it was very spontaneous. So this was different because this is the same thing. A journey is a journey. But this was, um, it was proactive, right? It was saying, right, I'm going to have a journey now and taking steps, listening to music, drumming, rattling, um, you know, whatever, to actually go into the spirit world. And so Chira taught me how to do shamanic journeying in order to, to learn the teachings of the ancient Celts, because in our traditional way, you know, I said, we don't know much, but we know a little. And what we do know is that um, a, the stories were, what's the word, Trevor? Is it mnemonics? It, it's like the stories were a way to retain information, right? So, for example, there's this incredible story called The Wooing of Aten. And it is a story of a, a woman who uh, she falls in love. She, she's a, a fairy queen and she marries a fairy king. And then the fairy king's uh, first wife is jealous and, and basically kills her. And she goes through different lifetimes and she falls in love in her next lifetime. But the king, the, the fairy king, he pursues her through different lifetimes. And, um, and there is a wonderful, there's a wonderful historian and I, his name escapes me, Trevor. I'm going to let you know after this, and I want you to post it since I referenced it because he's just, he's wonderful and his work doesn't get the attention it deserves. Sure, um, we can post something else after you um, finish your story, but yes, continue on and uh, yes. we'll post that up later on. Brilliant, thank you. So he wrote this, he, he did this wonderful um, research paper on the fact that the wooing of Aten, it's a wonderful little story. But it's actually um, indicative of the moon cycles and the basically a passage of time, the way the ancient Celts um, measured time, right? So days, weeks, months, years. They had a different way for measuring time and that this story, it speaks to all of those lunar cycles. And so this is why the stories are so important to learn. Right. And then with knowing that we have a somewhat somewhat um, shamanic culture that goes back as far, then, you know, one wonders, well, what 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 knowledge is hidden in these stories? So how do we find that knowledge? Well, we study the stories and then we go into the spirit world and we ask because a lot of shamanism is direct revel uh, revelation. And so this is what Tira taught me to do. And that changed everything, because now. Well, I had a relationship with my spirit. Now it was something that I was actually seeking. It wasn't just that I would, you know, we'd be going through my day and then something would happen, or I'd have a dream when I was not expecting it, or I'd be in ceremony and then, you know, someone else's ceremony, and then suddenly I'm having vision. This was totally different because now I was the one who was stepping out of my comfort zone to proactively go into the spirit world to meet with these spirits and say, hi, this is who I am, and this is why I'm here, and this is what I wanted to ask you. So after, you know, after that, I, um, the, the calling just became overwhelming. Um, the spirits became overwhelming in my life. I had to do something. And uh, I was really uncomfortable because in the indigenous world, one does not self-identify. It's hugely taboo. But I'm not indigenous. And in my culture, that's the only way to do it. So I struggled with that for many years until I, I finally had have good friends who's a well-known medicine person and really supports me. And I went to him one day and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I, I really feel there's, you know, there's this uh, healer, non-native, right? 
I really think I want to work with him. I like his program, but it is like a money program. I have to pay to, to learn. That's another taboo. And then I'm self-identifying. And he said, he said, look, I've known you from the beginning of this journey. He's like, I've always thought you could do the work. So that made me feel good. It gave me confidence, you know. And he said, but, and you know the teachings. And if you have a gift, what do the teachings say? Well, Trevor, if one is born with a gift, we are only, this goes full circle now, this conversation. We are given a gift to help our community. If we have a gift, we have an obligation to use our gift to help the community. The way all of this presented to me was the way it was presenting to me. So, you know, so he said, you know, I'll make you your rattle. Go take the course. <laughs> so I did. And I worked with Daniel Leonard, who uh, was in Toronto. He's now in Salt Spring, uh, out in BC. And um, I worked with Daniel for years. I've done a, a couple of things with Daniel. And uh, on the, the end of my first course with Daniel, the year long, I opened up my practice. And I've been practicing ever since. So that would have been only four years ago. So for all intents and purposes, I'm really new at this work. I mean, yeah, I've been working, I've been walking this path for 15 years. But the practice itself, I think, is still quite new. You know, most people in my line of work and your line of work, decades and, you know, we, we become, I don't know, intermediates when we're in our 80s, you know. Yeah, so, so that's how I came to the work. And it really was this thing of, of spirituality coming, you know, coming for me, constantly being put in my path or the spirit showing up and saying, right, Kim, it's time for you to learn. It's time for you to do. And me struggling with it. I, I don't, I can't self-identify. I don't know. Can I really do this work? No, I can't do this work. I Always struggling with that, that, that validation needing validation and then we look back and I think you know technically I really shouldn't have needed validation but I absolutely did so you know it, it, it's a tough thing when we feel that calling um, it really is and how do we go about acknowledging that calling particularly when like me you know I was working a, a job on Bay Street I it wasn't you know a huge job or anything but it was the environment um, I'm from a family that is not at all. Right? <laughs> like, uh, I think my mom was gifted. Absolutely. She had, in the, here they call it the site, um, but we didn't talk about it. We weren't allowed to talk about it. Oh my God. If you tried to bring that up to my mother, she would flip out. Today, by the way, would have been her 78th birthday. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, she was born like a block away from where I live now. So it's exciting for me. That's very interesting, too, that you bring up that in your family history, if you talked about it, that would have been blocked. Um, is that something that's fairly common in Scotland or is it more? I thought Scotland would have had more like an openness to the paranormal type things, or is it sort of more of a taboo type thing over there? So it's a nuanced thing it's a nuanced thing uh, and i'm it, it, you know you're asking me this so consider the source that this information is going to come from i'm pretty biased um you know and the people who i connect to are generally you know they, they think similar so um what i have found here is that okay no people don't talk this is not dinner conversation it's not um but having said that People one-on-one, -on -one, um, men especially, men especially are very, they're actually quite open to it. One of the things that's a really big deal in Scotland are spiritualists, mediums. There are so many spiritualists and so many mediums. And um, the spiritualist church over here is a really big deal, it's quite large. So, so I think that that part of spirituality is absolutely accepted. Um, and people understand it. Reiki has a foothold in Scotland for sure. People are coming to understand Reiki and they're, they, you know, they accept it. So if you say to someone, well, I'm going to get Reiki done, they'll kind of, they'll be, they'll be, oh yeah, oh, that's great. Or, or they'll, they'll be kind of mildly curious, right? 
but they don't, but they, there's no disrespect or anything. There, there's no uh, cynicism about that. Um, shamanism, what I'm finding over here is people really, uh, they don't, they don't really uh, understand it. It, 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 but you know, this is the same at home. It's not exactly a mainstream thing, but you're right. You know, in Scotland, this is a small country and it's a very wild country. <laughs> and they're not in terms of the people, maybe a little in terms of, of, of my family, but um, you know, I live where I live in Irvine, uh, North Ayrshire, not even a 10 minute drive and I'm out in, in beautiful countryside and I can walk that land. We have the right to roam in Scotland. Um, you know, I go 40, 40 minutes north to Mearshill Park and can walk those hills and it's, it's, they're wild and they're beautiful. You know, you go a little bit north of that and Trevor, you can drink the water out of the stream, provided they haven't gone through a farm. You know, so you know where your stream's coming from. But yeah, you can, or or down, you know, south to the Lead Hills, and it, the land is is so. There's not a lot of people in this country, so there is. I do find that that with the people that I've worked with so far, the clients that I've had, there is the connection to the land. It may be not on. It may be buried a little bit, but it's not that far. It's 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 pretty. Just it's just under the surface. The people still have that really. Uh, deep connection to the land I find and so when we are connected to the land uh, thinking about being able to accept this idea that the land has a spirit that there are land spirits around us that there are spirits around us working with us working uh, you know to help us right or just hanging out doing whatever nature spirits do that's not a big leap so I do find that people here seem to be a little, they, they accept a little quicker, but you know what? I've, I haven't even been here 10 months. You got to ask me in a year and I'll let you know if my theory was correct or maybe five years. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on the show for sure and see how you progress with your spiritualness over there in Scotland as it compares to being back over here in Ontario. Um, so how do you deal with day-to-day um, -day clients? What do you actually provide for your clients when you deal with shamanist, shamanism? Um, is it a healing? Do you practice healing on them or other services? What exactly do you do day-to-day -day for different people? Sure. Um, okay, so everything with shamanism is about healing, right? Like that, that's the thing. That's the thing that the thing is about is healing. So um, what generally will happen, especially right now, because it's, it's, well, we're, you guys are in lockdown, we're starting, we're coming out of lockdown now, we're a few months ahead, um, is a client will generally email me, right? In fact, I think that's the only way they can get in touch with me is by emailing me, which is good. And they'll email me and, and you know, everybody's different. So someone will just email me, hi, I want a soul retrieval. Here's my number. Thank you. Okay. Um, some people, most will give me just a, a, a small explanation, maybe a little bit about what's going on with them. Um, and so usually what will happen is that depending on what they ask for. So if someone asks a, uh, for a maybe a, a power animal retrieval or a soul remembering ceremony, and these are all healing ceremonies, or for some spiritual counseling, then generally I don't need to do too much pre-intake work with them. Um, so usually we can just go ahead and, and book something. If somebody asks me though for soul retrieval, that's a little bit different. There's an intensity to soul retrieval work. Uh, so usually what'll happen at that point is that I will book a quick call with the person um, just to get a sense of what's going on with them. And if the person understands soul retrieval, they do want to do soul retrieval, I ask them a couple of, of quick questions, things like, um, you know, history of addiction, for example. Uh, how long have they been in addiction recovery? Um, if there's depression, things like that. No, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a psychologist. Um, but, um, well, no but. And I, if, if, if I feel okay about it, Right, so my my intuition, and for me, intuition is when spirit guides whisper in our ear. So if my my spirits are like, yeah, this is okay. Then what'll happen is that I will do a quick journey for that client. Just you know, after I'm done talking to them, 
I do a quick journey. To, I'll check in with the spirit and ask the spirit. Is it the right time for, like, can I, first of all, is this the right time for this person to have the ceremony? Yes or no. Uh, no, there's always a reason why. So still there's, you know, there's going to be healing that comes from this. If it's yes, okay, am I the person to do it? Am I the person to facilitate this healing work? And, you know, yes, okay, great. So then I can go back to the person and say, all right, the spirits are, are, are going to do the work. It's going to be great. Because remember, Trevor, I don't do the work. I'm not the healer here. I just facilitate it. So my only job is to open the doors, close the doors, and try not to let my ego get caught in the way. That's it. Right? So which is all I to do. Um, so at that point, um, if, if it's a no, right, then it's a no for a reason. So it's not just like, no, we're not going to do solar retrieval on you. And I'm speaking on behalf of the spirits here. It's usually something like, ah, okay, well, maybe she she's in a, a, a place right now where she really needs to focus on her physical health or whatever, you know, maybe doing what she's already doing. And in three months, she used to check in with me, and then we're going to talk about where she's at. But in the meantime, the spirits have asked maybe that she you know, does this or she does this or, or whatever, they, they'll give her kind of a task, something to, to help her with her healing. Um, and so, you know, even that very act, the spirits are already working with this person because they, you know, because we've gone to the spirits and said, okay, well, what does this person need? And the spirits have said, oh, she needs this and this, and she's gonna, she needs to come to you in three months. Or, or soul retrieval is great, but you know what, Kim? Not with you. Send her over to your friend Sue or to your friend Michelle or you know what I mean? Or, you know, I, I recently had someone who came to me and um, and the spirit said, well, you she it's OK for her to do the work. But you're not the one to do it with her. You know, uh, your style's not going to work for her. She needs somebody who is a shamanic practitioner and also who does psychoanalysis. OK. You know, I don't know why. I don't know what this girl's deal is. I have no idea. It's none of my business, right? That's what the spirit said. And I told this woman, and she was like, that's exactly what I'm looking to do, and here's why. And it all fit. It was like, okay. So she went on her way, and, you know, and, and, and things work out. As long as we follow, for me, in my practice, what the spirits tell me to do, and don't let myself get in the way of that, then the healing will come about for that client. Yeah, I find that as well when you're dealing with spirit and spirit guides, they always have a way of doing divine timing with everything. It's like you do it this way, step by step by step, and there's the reason why, exactly why. So definitely understand that. Yeah, and some, you know, at the beginning, it can be hard. You know, people who are in the midst of their spiritual awakening, it can be hard to trust that, right? When the spirits are saying, don't buy the car today wait tomorrow or you know whatever it is it's hard to trust that but when we learn to trust our intuition i.e our spirit guides whispering in our ear that's when the magic happens it really is but but that requires our trusting ourselves which is you know that requires us to be healthy in our own lives um you know but i'm thinking so you asked when that that's just intake right um so if I am going to see someone, uh, if they're coming in person, then what we'll do is we'll set a date, um, usually about two weeks in advance, right? I don't want to do it too soon because from the time that we set the date and set the intention, the power bill around the ceremony. And then if we're doing it in person, um, by the time the person actually shows up at my house, uh, most of the time I'll already have opened the ceremony. So they're walking into an open ceremony, right? Um, and we will usually the way I work with my clients, and I think most well, not most every practitioner is different. But for me, I do what's called extraction work first, um, and then I will do the soul retrieval work or whatever power restoration we're going to do, um, you know, power animal retrieval or whatever. And so for me, if I work with a client um, and I do, for example, soul retrieval, which is far and away what most people ask for. Um, I will do extraction work within that ceremony. I will do power animal retrieval within that ceremony. The way I see it is that 
if I'm going to journey into the spirit world for someone, I'm going to do everything I can for them because it's a rare thing, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to be like their agent and I'm going to ask their spirit guides everything I would want to ask if it were me about me. And I'm going to get as much information as I can. And I basically, I, I, Stay, I, I gather information for that client or whatever it is the spirits are giving me until either my brain is full and I know I'm not going to be able to retain anymore or the spirits say, right, go, you're done. Okay. And I, and I go. Um, so when I come back into the ordinary reality, then I'm bringing either these messages or this, this power for that client and then there's a, an exchange of that power is restored to the client. Um, and then after that, there's a period that, you know, what'll, what'll usually happen is I'll, I'll get, I'll leave the room, let the client just integrate the power that's been restored to them in their body and kind of reground, right. Um, come back to the present. And then usually we, uh, have a cup of tea. I share with them the journey, and then they they go home. And you know, and what'll happen is is generally there's things that that they're asked to do when they get home, and then we will follow back by uh, either by email or by phone, whatever the client wants. You know, some clients will just touch base, and that's all they want. Other clients are like, no, we have to have a call, no problem. About two weeks later, you know, I want to make sure that they're okay. Um, and often once that power starts integrating within their bodies, that's where the questions come up and they've already worked with me. So I'm happy to answer those questions as they need to and to provide that support. Yeah. And then if, if we do it virtually as heavens, you know, for over a year now, it's been almost all virtual. Um, then um, what will happen is we just do it via Zoom and it's a little bit different. So usually we'll get on Zoom. I've already opened the ceremony, though. It is still, I mean, it is still a full-on ceremony. Um, and so that ceremony extends to where the client is. Um, and we will have a WeChat. And then usually what happens is I'll, I'll get off of Zoom and I'll, I'll do the journey. So, so when I do extraction work, when the person's in my living room, it's like the ceremony is happening in the living room. The spirits are coming into the living room until I'm ready to do the soul retrieval journey back into the spirit world to retrieve stuff. But if we're doing it virtually, everything is going to happen in the spirit world. So, you know, I'm basically laying on the floor with my eyes covered, right? Either rattling myself or listening to a drumming track or what have you, doing that journey. So then when I'm done the journey, I make my notes for the client. I send them a text, right? Use the same link and we get back on and I will share with them what's happening. Um, so, but you know, it is, it is still, it is still a ceremonial space. It's still sacred space even though we're doing it via Zoom. Um, and, then, and then again, when we're done, the client will go, once the client goes, then I close the ceremony, right? And uh, yeah, and then that's pretty much it. Then we, we circle back in a, about two weeks time, unless the client needs to speak before that. But I, I don't like to go longer than two weeks. No, that sounds like a really in-depth uh, explanation on how you proceed with your clients and what the benefits are. Uh, what are some of the benefits actually afterwards that people experience? Like, have they come back to you and shared their, yeah, their healing afterwards with you? Talk about mm -hmm. that for a bit. Yeah, not everybody does, but when they do, it's such a gift. It's just, it's, it's so lovely, you know, to know the impact that, um, that they're opening themselves up to spirit and accepting this type of work has had on their life. You know, the, the biggest thing about this work to understand is that shamanism, these ceremonies are about empowering the person, right? There is almost a misnomer that, that we're going to go into ceremony and we're going to say to the spirit, okay, you know, heal me, right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. We are put in this earth to heal ourselves. And sometimes it's a little much. And so the spirits, they come in, they intervene just enough to empower us. But they don't disempower us by doing the work for us, right? So, so the impact can be, it can be anything. For a lot of people, the impact can be difficult, right? 
Um, we do soul retrieval. We begin to release trauma. Now, you know, um, one would say that's a good thing, right? That's, that's a healing thing. But, but that can be a tough thing as well. Every single client I work with, I tell them, do not fire your therapist. Now is not the time to fire your therapist. But like, I know like, we laugh about it, but it's true. Because sometimes what can happen with shamanic work is that, you know, we go see, I go see a therapist, right? And they're going to say, right, tell me what's going on. And I'm going to tell them, but you know, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm not, I don't tell nobody everything. Nobody knows everything about, you know, ourselves, right? We don't share everything that honestly with the spirits, though, they, we don't have to. They already know. They know our deal. They know us for good, for bad. They know. So when we start working with the spirits, we are often uh, confronted with perhaps um, things that we really didn't want to think about, things we didn't want to consider. So it's very important to have a support network around you, whether that be your best friends, whether that be medical practitioners, right? Um, but... Stepping into that work, from my, my perspective, can only be seen as a good thing, provided the person is ready and they have the right support network. So that's, that's sort of the most intense. Um, other clients, if they've been struggling uh, until they come in and see me and, and the spirits work with them, then often for them, the outcome is very different. And I've had all of these experiences, by the way, you know, where it can be just like, I feel whole for the first time in a decade. Um, I can access my full range of emotions for the first time since this happened. And remember, you know, everybody always thinks I want to access my, my, my full range of emotions, which means I want to laugh. I want to feel joy. I want to feel excitement and hope. But we forget that also means finally you can reach the bottom of your grief. Finally, you can... You can acknowledge your disappointment, your anger, or your hurt. It's a full range of emotions. But what a gift it is to be able to access them, because not everybody can, depending on what we've been through. And we all go through periods in our lives where we're not able to. So that's a big thing. Um, you know, being able to, to, well, soul retrieval returns our gifts to us. So what gifts do we as vital humans have? Well, you know, certainly the full range of emotions. Right, but also things like our huspa, a sense of adventure, a sense of safety, and sensuality and sexuality, a sense of, of empowerment, our identities. All of these things can, can, if not be restored to us in the moment, the spirit put us on that path to. To, towards the restoration of those gifts, right? And towards the healing um, and towards living the lives that, that, that you know, we, we are able to live if we are, if we are willing to, to take that leap of faith and to step into our healing and to, to love ourselves enough to be able to do that and to trust what is around us enough to be able to do that. So, you know, so it's pretty deep work, you know, and it, it, it brings about very deep work in the client. And then I'm just the third part of it. I've had a lot of clients who came back to me and they're like, oh, you know, what? the spirits do such beautiful work. So it, 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 so it's, it's breathtaking sometimes. And, you know, I have one of my earlier clients and he's, he's an and after his soul retrieval, he went into this place of like divine inspiration and painted everything. And now he's this incredibly successful artist and he shows in Toronto and his work is worth thousands. And wow. And this is because, I mean, it, it's nothing to do with me because the spirit showed up for him and he was, he was open. He was ready. And so he took that and he trusted it. And it became what it became in his life, and it created this incredible change. You know, for me, here I am living in Scotland. <laughs> um, that all came from my spirituality. That's all come from the spirit. Kim, you need to do this. Kim, okay, girl, listen, you got to go over here. You got to quit this job. You got to take this, you know, take this job. You need to, uh, yeah. You know, when we follow what the spirits put in front of us, when we accept the gift, 
that are ours, then incredible transformation can happen in our lives. And even when that transformation is hard in the moment, right? If we have the strength and courage to be accountable to our healing and accountable to ourselves, then the spirits are ready and waiting to assist us in that journey. Yeah, I believe that 100% that the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it. So that's a wonderful statement that you just said right there. And I appreciate that 100%. So um, so just before we let you go here today, and again, Kim, thank you so much for coming on to Haunting Live and sharing all your wisdom and insight and um, your experiences through your journey. It's been really interesting here today. So thank you so much. Um, my one question I tend to ask on the show here is about people being in lockdown right now over the last year and a half or so. Um, a lot of people might be experiencing things that they're not being used to. They might yeah. be experiencing more spirituality. They might be seeing spirits. They might be hearing noises. Um, they might think they're going crazy or something. But what would you say to people that are experiencing things right now in lockdown, if they're still in lockdown, and they think they might be spiritual related? What sort of advice would you give to somebody? Trust your gut. I mean, I, I you know, look, I, I can talk for hours, clearly. But really, when it comes to that, Trust your gut. And then when you learn to trust your gut, you can start to calibrate how you feel about things. So, for example, you have a spiritual experience. So you're hanging out in your living room and there are ghosts and there are spirits. There's a difference, right? Like I, I know who you work with. This is really your area. Um, and a ghost feels very, very different than, you know, an ancestor or a spirit guide coming to you. However, for me, I know no matter what I see, I startle. It's just, I'm going to be doing this work for 50 years if I'm lucky, and I will still, I will never get rid of that startle. I, I <laughs> um, yeah, really? I always think I should be past that. No, no, thank you. Seriously, it's embarrassing, but there it is. But anyways, but the, but the thing is, is that I do, I get the startle and then, and then my training kicks in and I'm like, what am I feeling here? The spirits are healthier spirits. They don't scare us. They don't want to scare us. They're not intrusive. They're not trying to hurt us. They're not trying to get a rise, an emotional reaction from us of any kind, right? When, when, when the spirit comes, I startle and go, oh, what the hell is that? And then I'm like, wait, oh. Who, wait, who, who is, what's, because I'm safe. If it's not that, if it's more of an earthbound, a, a ghost or, you know, earthbound spirit or like something that's a little darker, then, oh, then I, you, you know, you know when you know. You feel it in your bones. If something's not, not, not kosher, it's not, mm -mm, right? And then it's like, okay, I have to deal with this, right? So, 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 all of that comes from, for me, trusting my gut, right? And, and, then, and then when I trust my gut, okay, I just had this experience. What's happening? Is this something I can deal with? Is this something I don't want to deal with? And then knowing, no asking the question. And, and you know, and, and, and beyond that, I would just say that, you know, everything, what is that Yates quote? Everything is real. Everything exists. And the dust, is it? And the earth is just dust beneath our feet. I have that right. But it's true. The spirits are around us. Everybody can have a connection to their spirits. It's not some great gift that we need to be born with, right? We all have a right to spirituality. It doesn't matter who you are, where you were born, or what your community is, or what your... Everybody has the right to access their spirituality, right? And we do it in lots of different ways, but the core of that is the same. It's about building relationships with our spirits that are watching us. You know, maybe it's our angels. So, you know, I know you obviously connect with the angels, right? But how, whatever that is for you, it's real and it's beautiful and it's our birthright. And we deserve it. 
And so I would just say, trust your gut, trust yourself. And that's it. Uh, no, that's wonderful and actually quite beautiful. So thank you for uh, your guidance on that here today. And thank you so much, Kim, for being here. I really appreciate it um, taking your time out. I know we are scheduled for later on, but you've got other plans. But thank you for making uh, rearrangements for us here at Haunted Live. Thank you so much for accommodating me. Mm -hmm. I am so grateful. Guys, I was supposed to do this live, and then I booked mm -hmm. this impromptu trip, and Trevor has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I No yeah, problem I at all on our end at all. It's been wonderful having you. Um, before we let you go, can we um, allow a second or two for you to promote anything like your website or anything else that you want to share? Oh, of course. Thank you. Yes, everyone, go to my website. It is uh, www.cedarlight, as in the tree, cedar, and light, as in light. So cedarlight.com. And my name is Kim McLaughlin, and I do have a blog where I write about almost everything that we've talked about tonight probably except for my own story but everything else um, about spirituality is there and I, I blog I don't know not so much right now but every couple of months I tend to to blog and if you have questions you can also email me at cedarlighthealing oh the website it's www.cedarlighthealing.com and if you want to email me questions Please feel free. I love that. Um, I'm at cedarlighthealing at gmail.com. And I will always, if someone asks me a spiritual question, I always endeavor to get back to them with proper, like, good responses. Um, so I want you to feel free. You know, you don't, there's no pressure. You don't need to book a session or, but if you have questions, you can email me. And, you know, if, if it starts to butt up against my boundaries, I'll let you know. But I want to make everyone clear, you know, talking about spirituality and answering questions about spirituality or just helping people to make sense of what's going on with them. That's why I'm here, man. That's my favorite thing in the world. So feel free to email me, cedarlighthealing at gmail.com. Go to my blog at cedarlighthealing.com. Okay, that's wonderful, Kim. Again, thank you so much for being here. I know you have a busy weekend coming up, and so do we here. It's a long weekend in May, so looking forward to relaxing a little bit this weekend um, and also being here with you guys on social media. So thank you so much again for being here with us on Haunted Life. It was wonderful. You're so very welcome. I was so honored and happy to do it, and you guys have a fabulous long weekend. This is the weekend I miss being mm. back in Ontario. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it for me. Thank oh. you so much for having me, Trevor. We will. Uh, enjoy yourself and uh, enjoy your weekend as well there in Scotland. And thank you again. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And that was Kim from all the way in Scotland uh, sharing her views on what she does in uh, shamanism and what she learned on her journey so we thank her so much for being here it was really insightful to have her as a guest here at haunting live and uh for you guys for tuning in this week thank you guys so much for following us on haunting live podcast on facebook and also on social media and also for listening on the podcast apps if you missed the live show here on facebook but uh, just before we let you guys go, um, again, uh, thank you for tuning in. For those watching, um, let me know how you like the new background here and the layout. Uh, leave a note in the comments and uh, let us know how you feel about the new layout here on Haunting Life. Uh, I like it a lot, so I hope uh, you guys do too. Um, but also, uh, this weekend, check out our social media. We'll be posting some brand new investigation videos. Uh, we're going to be out filming this weekend a little bit, so watch our Facebook page and stuff for some new uh, investigation videos. I think we're going to hit a couple graveyards probably and see what we can pick up. So uh, look forward to that. And also don't forget uh, Chris here at Haunting Live has free angel readings every week. Twice a week actually on Wednesdays around 8.30 and Saturdays at 3 o'clock. So if you want some guidance from your angels or any questions answered from your angels, uh, please tune in right here on our Facebook and uh, you can get your free angel readings done by Chris here at Haunted Life Podcast. And also we do have our current merch sale running on our website. Things are still all on half off prices. Uh, you can check out our merch products that we have for spirituality items that we have for sale. 
uh, such as pendulums, uh, smudging materials. We have different things like spiritual bags, uh, different gift ideas, and also a whole bunch of crystals available on our website. So if you want something, now's the time to go check that out as well. But that's about it, guys. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in this week. And a big thank you again to Kim coming from all the way from Scotland. And uh, she's originally from here in Ontario, but she just recently moved all the way over there to Scotland. And we thank her for taking time out this weekend to be our guest this week. Very insightful. And other than that, guys, have a great long weekend. And we will see you right back here next week on Haunting Live Podcast. Take care, guys. Did you hear that?